What are some of the best foods that can really help somebody jumpstart their weight loss? Well, I have to give a huge shout out to beans and lentils. You know, legumes are just a food category that are so highly overlooked in the United States. And studies show that they're really helpful for weight loss. And because beans and lentils, split peas, they're just so high in fiber, you know, they're satiating and come packed full of vitamins and minerals. So that would be my, you know, number one suggestion would be to focus on adding in some legumes. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us in more than 130 countries around the world and healthy cities coast to coast here in the U.S. Syracuse, New York, Sweetwater, Texas, and Spokane, Washington. We appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 103 of season 4, number 298 overall. And it is also a primer for the new year, getting a jump start on creating a healthier you for 2022. Now, what is the number one most popular New Year's resolution that people tend to make every year? It's losing weight. So we're going to be helping you out teaching you about the healthiest way that you can do that. We're going to be finding out which foods you should be eating to really get a kickstart for weight loss. And we're also going to be calling bogus on some of the most popular diet claims out there today. And we're also going to tell you once and for all how you can keep that weight off for good. Man, that'd be so great to kick that yo-yo dieting cycle, wouldn't it? So we're going to be answering all of those questions. As a matter of fact, dietitian and weight loss expert Karen Smith is going to be answering all of those questions. She's about to launch a 12-week weight loss program in the new year, teaming up with Dr. Vanita Rahman, who has her own weight loss success story. They will be teaming up for that, and we're going to give you all of those details a little bit later on in the show as well. Plus, I'm going to tell you about the latest Hollywood star to turn to a plant-based diet and lose more than 100 pounds in doing so. Really phenomenal success story. And we're going to be opening up the dietitian's mailbag in what is the final live Q&A of the year. So we've got some really fun questions in there about is there such a thing as a healthy fat and whether you need extra protein as you get older. We're going to do a nut battle, almonds versus peanuts head to head, which is healthier. (laughs) And we're going to be talking about those bogus internet claims. My goodness, have you heard about the latest one that's going around TikTok right now? Lemon coffee. Yes, lemon coffee. Is it truly a magical weight loss elixir? We are going to find out. So let's get this party started right now. The final Q&A of 2021. Here's dietitian Karen Smith. Karen, thank you so very much for being here. Yeah, hey, Chuck. Glad to be here today. You know what? Let's just start with this lemon coffee thing (laughs) on TikTok. This is is so much fun. Uh, Lemon coffee, will this actually help you lose weight? Do tell. Okay, well, the first thing that came into my mind was just that that sounds incredibly disgusting (laughs) and that... I might not have much of an appetite after, you know, drinking lemon coffee. So perhaps, um, 
I don't know. Certainly, I don't know of any research suggesting like any truth behind this TikTok craze. Um, and it also reminds me, Chuck, of the bulletproof coffee, right? And like how popular that was and continues to be, where people are adding butter, you know, or coconut oil, just like high amounts of fat to their coffee in, you know, hopes of losing weight, which I'm not sure which sounds, um, you know, more absurd. Uh, I think the fat, uh, but perhaps, right? Like maybe if you're replacing the butter and the coconut oil with lemon, I don't know, maybe that would help with weight loss. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about it. Or what I do know is like you have the potential of having bitter coffee and then you're going to add bitter lemon on top of that. So I'm just not thinking that that's going to be very flavorful, as you said. And maybe because that's going to jack up your taste buds, you may not going to want to eat for a while. I I don't know. I don't know what the what the actual um, thought is there as far as if it's going to speed up metabolism or not. But Lemon coffee, for goodness sakes. Come on, people. But uh, bulletproof coffee, that is that is a weird one. I remember, Karen, I don't know if I told you this story, had a friend who um, I, I was over visiting with him. And he goes and he's making a cup of coffee. And I'm, I'm just chatting with him in, in his kitchen. And he gets a stick of butter out of the refrigerator. And he puts it in this piping hot cup of coffee. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, it's going to help me lose weight. I was like, really? Really? He's like, yeah. It really didn't, but that's okay. Uh, all right, Karen, uh, next question. Um, let's talk about some other ways that people can lose weight. You know, you want to talk about things that can help you lose weight. So if it's not lemon coffee, what are some of the best foods that can really help somebody jumpstart their weight loss? Well, I have to give a huge shout out to beans and lentils. Um, you know, legumes are just a food category that are so highly overlooked in the United States. And studies show that they're really helpful for weight loss, you know, and adding in, and that's always a wonderful way to um, go about making dietary changes, right, to, to focus on adding in healthy foods. Um, and because beans and lentils, um, split peas, they're just so high in fiber, there's, they have a high protein content, you know, they're satiating and compact full of vitamins and minerals. So that would be my, um, you know, number one suggestion would be to focus on adding in some legumes. Uh, I'm a big fan of legumes too, uh, for so many reasons. And there's so many different ones and they're versatile. You can really add them to just about everything, um, right down to, and including a salad, you just throw them right on there. Boom. You got your greens and your beans, and that's a pretty good combination. And you can even like hide them in smoothies and things. Or, uh, I was chatting with uh, one exam roomie this past week about, uh, black bean brownies and how they tried it. And they were like, Oh my goodness gracious. It was so good. I even took them into work and my colleagues ate them and they were none the wiser. And they thought that it was just the most decadent, dense brownie that they had ever had in their entire life. Who knew there were black beans in it? Nobody but the listener, my friend. Um, a lot of people in the chat right now, uh, Karen, are saying, nope, nope, nope. This this lemon coffee thing just does not sound like it's a winner. Um, but somebody here, I believe it was Jeff, who said, eh, let's just be weird and try it for 10 days and see what happens. I, I don't know. Um, have you heard this one particular myth from SR at 1206 saying that bananas can make a person fat? I have heard from so many patients that I work with that they are fearful to eat bananas, right? Because there's this myth that they are going to cause weight gain. Um, 
you know, and or elevate blood sugar. And, you know, I hope I can put those fears to, to rest that there's absolutely no evidence supporting that. Um, and bananas as are, you know, almost all fruits with the exception of like avocado and coconut are so, so low in calorie density that, you know, feel free to consume them, um, you know, without any restriction and, you know, feel good about choosing foods that are packed full of nutrients and fiber. But yeah, that's definitely one of the uh, craziest myths I've heard too. Yeah, it, it is interesting to me. So if, if you look at the nutrition content for banana, it's going to say zero grams of fat on it. And so whether it's a banana or anything else, if there is in fact no fat in said product, can it indeed help you pack on the pounds? Yeah, that's a great point, Chuck, right? Like if you look at the healthiest foods on the planet or and at least like the foods that are low, lowest in calorie density, they are such because... They have very little fat. Just saying. Uh, but caveat to that, though, what about artificial sweeteners, zero calorie sweeteners like NutraSweet mm -hmm. or something like that? Uh, a lot of people turn to those when they're trying to lose weight. Will they actually help them? That depends, right? Like, how are they coming packaged? Are they in the form of, uh, you know, are they being added to diet sodas? And, you know, which studies show right? Like people might have that um, like false security of choosing a diet soda and thinking they're saving calories um, and also choose, you know, a, a hamburger and French fries to go along with it. And so really it's your overall dietary pattern that's going to have the biggest impact. Um, in addition, the artificial sweeteners taste really sweet, you know, and, um, you know, and just thinking about how you respond to that sweet taste and whether or not it's a trigger for you for additional cravings for more things that are sweet and how that might impact you know your ability to lose weight if you're reaching for foods um, that are more calorie dense um, as opposed to fruits that are just naturally sweet in their you know whole form and how they're found in nature. Well, let's, let's stay on, you know, how you can kind of get hooked on sweet stuff like you were just alluding to there. There may or may not be somebody in my life who has the sweetest tooth I have ever known in my entire life, uh, where they even, you know, will add uh, extra uh, stevia drops to their lemonade, which has come pre-sweetened as well. So if somebody has that kind of hyper palatable, ultra sweet tooth, what would your recommendation be to kind of help kick that habit? Yeah, you know, it, it's going to take some time and patience probably to um, change your taste buds. Uh, they do, in fact, change. And we, you know, develop new taste buds um, about every three weeks. And so perhaps, you know, gradually reducing the amount of um, sweetener that you're using um, or taking the approach of like, hey, you know, I'm setting this aside for three weeks to see what happens. Um, I think it depends on the individual to, to know like what's gonna work best for um, them. Um, but absolutely like we are, you know, as humans, like the sweetness of fruits, uh, apples and berries and bananas, right? Like that is the level of sweetness that we're designed to, um, 
you know, be, be used to. And like, those are appropriate levels of sweetness. And, and the more of these, like you said, hyper palatable, the things that are the foods that are packaged with sugars or artificial sweeteners just really overstimulate, um, you know, our taste buds, they uh, cause a release of dopamine in our brains that, you know, makes us feel good, makes us want more of those, those foods in a way that, you know, fruit does not do that. And so we have to get back to a level where the fruit, um, you know, has has um, that that response where like that does taste good, that satisfies that craving for sweetness. A couple of quick hellos to the exam roomies who are tuning in today. I'm Polly here is checking in from Roma, Italy. That's awesome. Thanks so much for making the time to join us. And Joey Dangerously says that this is his first live show. So thank you for uh, checking us out live here. Uh, every Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific is where you can find us right here on YouTube and on Facebook. Um, next question comes to us from Liana's Creations at 12.07. Boy, if you haven't heard this one before, why is it so commonly accepted? that, quote, you can't lose weight while eating carbs. Oh, Diana, <laughs> that is just, yeah, the, the question I might be asked most often. And of course, that, you know, is a total myth that, um, you know, foods, that, that there's definitely a difference in the way in which carbohydrates are packaged, right? And so when we are choosing carbohydrates that come in foods close to how they're found in nature, then we are getting so many benefits from choosing those foods. So things like fruits and vegetables, whole grains, especially whole intact grains and legumes, they're all, um, you know, low in fat. They are um, foods that are low in calorie density, which means that we can consume, you know, large quantities of them for less calories than animal-based foods and processed foods. And that's a huge difference than carbohydrates that come packaged in refined or processed foods, right? So if we take like white bread, for example, the grain that was used to make it might've started as a whole grain, but it's been stripped of all of you know, the parts of the grain that contain the most fiber, the most nutrients, and we're essentially left with you know, calories and starch. And, you know, that's not going to fuel our body in the same way. And it's also about three times more calorie dense than, you know, the whole grain from which the, the flour was um, originally made. Uh, so, you know, less calorie density in high, high carbohydrate whole plant foods as opposed to those refined or processed foods that are high in carbs. You know, you know what else is interesting, Chuck? Like often the carbohydrates are demonized. Um, and when I ask people like, well, what are you talking about when you say, you know, I'm avoiding carbs, they might say things like, oh, I'm not eating pizza or cookies or cakes or crackers. And what's interesting is that, you know, what else do those foods contain? Sure, they have some carbohydrates, what else? do they come packaged with high amounts of fat, right? And so, um, you know, for some reason, that's often overlooked in this whole discussion of, you know, weight loss and, and carbohydrates. 
Uh, let's go ahead here and take a question from Denise. Are almonds healthier than peanuts? Let's talk nuts and weight loss. Let's do it. <laughs> so which is it? Is almond the healthier choice or is it the peanut? Define healthier, right? Like if you have, if you take an ounce, right? Let's say you have an ounce of peanuts and an ounce of almonds. They're going to be pretty similar in calories and fat content, protein, uh, and fiber content. And so the almonds might contain um, some more phosphorus, some more calcium, some more magnesium. Like there are going to be differences in um, the amounts of vitamins and minerals, more vitamin E in almonds than in peanuts. The peanuts, on the other hand, have more folate. And so, you know, it's kind of like, well, how do you define healthier? And, um, you know, and thinking along the lines of um, one of your popular guests on the show, Dr. Will B, right? And wanting to um, foster like a really healthy gut microbiome, which is certainly important for um, weight loss and just overall health is, well, let's have both, right? Because the more diverse um, our diet is in whole plant foods, the more diverse our microbiome. And so maybe we can have the almonds and the peanuts. Mm, okay. I like where your head's at with that. Uh, question from Danny. Is there such a thing as a healthy fat? Yeah. So there are healthy foods, right? And whole foods, compact, whole plant foods in particular, right? They come packaged with protein, with carbohydrates, and with fat. So every whole plant food, even that banana that you mentioned earlier has zero fat, doesn't have zero fat, it has a little bit of fat. Um, and so those whole plant foods are healthy foods that provide our bodies with fat in quantities that are just like amazing for the amount of fat that we um, need to be healthy and to prevent um, and, you know, reduce the risk of the most common chronic diseases like heart disease, diabetes, obesity, and cancer. So uh, some more specific examples. I mean, are you saying though that like, you know, eating the avocado is, which has uh, a high amount of fat for a plant food, uh, is the healthier option compared to going through the drive-through, picking up burgers and fries? Totally different. Totally different. Right. The, the benefit of choosing the whole plant foods is that by and large, they're low in saturated fat, right? As opposed to that hamburger and French fries and that saturated fat, that's the type of fat associated with increased, you know, risk of a variety of chronic diseases and inflammation. Um, and those whole plant foods, right? So whether it's like black beans or, um, your oatmeal in the morning, right? Like there is some fat in there and those foods are coming packed full of the fiber, lots of vitamins, minerals, antioxidants. And then there are some whole plant foods like nuts and seeds and avocado, um, you know, olives, coconut, those are higher um, fat plant foods. And so thinking about them, you know, often my suggestion to people is, and, and depending on, you know, their health goals, their weight goals, right? Like they might be appropriately consumed as, as condiments and adding a small amount of them to, to meals can, um, you know, give your body a good amount of fat in a very healthy way. What is the target amount of fat that people should be eating every day? 
what's the limit? Oh my goodness. So that's going to depend Chuck on a few things. And certainly, um, you know, like a good way to look at it or something that I like to think about um, is the percentage of um, calories coming from fat as opposed to um, like a particular amount of grams, um, right? So having 10 to 15% of your total calories coming from fat is a great way to minimize, um, you know, chronic disease risk. And especially if you're someone who's uh, living with prediabetes or type 2 diabetes um, and wanting to improve insulin sensitivity, reverse that insulin resistance. If you're someone who has high cholesterol or heart disease um, and you want to improve your heart health, um, if you want to lose weight, then really, um, you know, looking at 10 to 15 percent of your total calories coming from fat can be helpful. And the reason I like to think about it that way is that almost all of your whole plant foods fall either below or within that range, like 10 to 15% of their total calories um, fall um, are from fat or, you know, fruits, for example, are often, you know, way less than that. So when you're just, you know, going through your day, eating a variety of whole plant foods, it's not like you have to constantly be doing this addition and, you know, math all day long to, get to um, a certain amount of fat. It's just like these foods come packaged with an amount of fat that's appropriate. And that falls within that 10 to 15% total at the end of the day. All right, let's switch gears here and take a question from Pam at 1214. Pam is wondering whether dates and raisins inhibit weight loss. That depends. That's going to be my answer to so many things. Like what else are you eating, Pam? right? Like it really is about the overall picture of your diet. And what's the difference between dates and raisins as opposed to, um, you know, grapes and apples? They are, they are dried, right? So um, they do have a higher calorie density. Um, and so all that means is that you can right, like per the same amount of weight of grapes, right? Like if, if you have, it takes about two cups of grapes to equal about a quarter cup of raisins, right? Same amount of calories, but way more volume in the whole grapes versus the dried raisins. And so in just thinking through that calorie density equation and, you know, the amount of dried fruits that you might be consuming and what your overall um, dietary pattern looks like, um, you know, they can certainly be included and people can still lose weight enjoying them. Um, and if you are, um, you know, at a point where you're not sure what's um, prohibiting your weight loss, then it might be something to take a look at and see, like, is it worth swapping out some of the dried fruits for whole fresh fruits that are a lot lower in calorie density? Carolyn, just checking in in the chat room says carbs are my jam. Right on. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's, uh, let's do a tale of two ends here. Um, let's start with Linda's question. She wants to know why am I less likely to be hungry when eating a plant-based diet? Yeah, I love that. That's such a wonderful benefit, right? Of eating plant foods. Um, and I'd say there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that, you know, especially if you're choosing those whole plant foods that I keep emphasizing the fruits, the vegetables, the whole grains, the legumes, um, they are providing 
a lot of fiber and fiber is satiating. Um, the beans um, and lentils are also high in protein, which is also satiating, as are a lot of your whole intact grains. Um, so those foods help, you know, to fill us up. And, um, you know, the awesome thing about, about them is that, you know, they are so much lower in calorie density, I keep referring to that too, than animal foods and processed foods, right? So we can eat a larger volume of them for less calories. Um, in addition, that fiber feeds the good, um, the probiotic bacteria in our large intestine, all right? And um, as a result of them, you know, eating that fiber, they produce short chain fatty acids, which are just like amazing and do so many good things for us. But one is that they like downregulate hunger hormones. And so that might be another way in which, you know, eating these whole plant foods helps us feel full um, and stay satiated for longer. All right. But now, so we said it's a kind of a tale of two ends here. So on the opposite end of that spectrum, we have a question from Paige. And I thought that this was really interesting. And just a caveat here, obviously, we can't give patient specific information. So we're going to be talking in generalities here. But maybe Paige isn't the only one uh, who has this issue. Uh, Paige wrote, uh, dabbled in a whole food vegan diet for the last four years says she loves the food, but the problem is it does not keep her full. She says that, for example, at breakfast, she'll have a big old bowl of oats with some fruit in there, maybe throw in some flaxseed and a handful of greens and walnuts. She said by the time that she finishes with breakfast, she is absolutely stuffed. But just an hour later, she feels like she hasn't eaten anything. And that makes it hard for her to stick with the vegan diet. She feels like she wants to go back to animal proteins since they were better uh, they did a better job, she says, of keeping her full for an extended period of time. So this is an interesting one. Uh, number one is, you know, like how can somebody go from being stuffed to being ravenously hungry if they're eating a really healthy meal that's full of fiber? Yeah. So in addition to fiber being satiating, uh, protein is too, right? And, you know, it's not the first time that I've, I've, heard this or come across this in conversations with patients that, um, you know, a breakfast of oatmeal and fruit as an example, which sure, it has a lot of fiber. Um, those foods tend to be lower in protein and also pretty low in calorie density, right? So maybe you feel full um, after consuming them and then you're hungry again, right? Like as Paige said, maybe an hour later. Um, so if we want to add in, like, just as an experiment to see, like, oh, well, what happens if we also increase the protein in that meal? Um, Chuck, what comes to mind for you? Like, what plant foods come to mind that are fiber-rich and protein-rich? Beans. We're going to go right back to the legumes there. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%, right? So you get your beans, your lentils, your peas. They're high in fiber. They have a high protein content. And what's really cool is research suggests that they may be more satiating than animal protein, right? So if that is what Paige is going back to, my suggestion would be like, let's swap the breakfast meal altogether. Try something like a tofu scramble with black beans and veggies, or maybe a lentil soup for a breakfast, or maybe a, you know, a bean chili with some veggies or over a sweet potato and see how that works for you.
that doesn't sound half bad at all. Like even for breakfast, that sounds pretty daggone amazing to me. I'd be all in for that. You don't always have to eat breakfast food for breakfast. I just no. want to throw that out there. Um, as much as I do love oatmeal and a ton of fruit there, sometimes, you know, mix it up a little bit. Um, that is not a bad idea at all. Uh, let's take a question from Cleona here. I believe at 1214, uh, wondering how bad is corn syrup in your diet? Yeah, well, what is corn syrup, right? It's a byproduct, right, of of corn and um, very sweet and essentially doesn't have any of the vitamins, the minerals or the fiber that you find in, you know, the whole corn itself, um, which is a whole grain and a healthy food. And so, again, it really depends on, you know, how it's being utilized, like Corn syrup often is found in, you know, sodas and packaged and processed foods um, that overall are just not providing our bodies with any, um, you know, type of real healthy nutrition, right? Like foods that are pretty low or void in vitamins and minerals and fiber. And, you know, in addition, again, like going back to, um, you know, people who have a sweet tooth, right? Corn syrup is very sweet tasting. And so if you find that you're someone who, you know, just having that, that sweet taste, um, you know, triggers that release of dopamine in the brain, which for some people is stronger than others and can just, you know, increase cravings and, you know, make it more challenging to, to kind of break that cycle. Um, and so certainly, again, like always taking a step back and looking at the overall dietary pattern that someone's consuming um, and, you know, having a good variety of the fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, um, which contain zero corn syrup, right? Um, and perhaps just, you know, keeping that to a minimum if at all, right? It certainly is not necessary at all for good health. And so absolutely can be avoided. Yeah, I would love to know, speaking of that dopamine release, like why is it stronger in some people compared to others? For me, when I was still struggling with my weight, like it wasn't just a release. We're talking about the damn bursting open and it was a torrent of dopamine every time I would eat fast food or, or pizza or anything like that. I mean, like my brain went super happy, super fast um, and it made it so much more difficult to, to lose weight. Um, so let's uh let's do some rapid fire here we only have um a, a few minutes left so let's see if we can knock out as many of these as we possibly can susan has a question going back to nuts we were talking about those a little bit ago she wants to know whether roasting nuts and seeds lowers the nutritional benefit of them hmm. roasting them not that i know of however right like what often comes along with roasting i would say you know adding you know salt perhaps or sometimes right like looking at adding in oil, salt, sugars um, is obviously going to impact, um, you know, perhaps the, if it's oil or sugar, the, the calorie content, um, adding in salt um, or any of those, you know, often tends to increase the amount that we consume. Uh, Atypical Paul, 1227, is it possible to get too little fat in your diet? Yeah, I would say it's not impossible uh it's not a common thing 
Paul, right? Like we're not um, a country of people suffering from fat deficiency. And so really just again, like, um, and especially in um, looking at the foods that contribute the most saturated fat to one's diet, like minimizing the saturated fat, avoiding it as much as possible is certainly um, a very good approach for, um, you know, not just weight loss, um, but uh, minimizing disease risk as well. Sylvia at 1226, what do you think about fasting for losing weight? So Sylvia, what, what kind of fasting are you talking about? Um, probably the most popular, or at least what I hear about uh, most commonly from, from patients and clients is what's called time-restricted eating, where people, you know, set a point in the evening where they say, I'm not going to eat past this time, or um, they allow, you know, at least a 12-hour window without eating any food. And yeah, sure, research shows that um, there are benefits, not just for weight loss, but also for lowering blood pressure, blood sugar, and cholesterol, and in, you know, allowing your body some time to rest and, um, you know, having at least that 12 hour window without eating. Oh, this is one from uh, Sarah. And I know there are a lot of people who are watching this and like, I want to know the answer to this one too. And the question is, how quickly can a person lose weight while eating a plant-based diet? Yeah, so that definitely depends on um, the types of foods that you're eating for sure. And, uh, you know, if you're opting for those, those whole, like the power plate foods that you see, the fruits, the vegetables, the legumes, the whole grains, you're really going to get the biggest bang for your buck because those are the foods lowest in calorie density. Um, you know, I'm just thinking back to a study that the physician's committee did um, that showed, um, you know, it resulted in women losing about 13 pounds on average in 12 weeks after adopting a low fat vegan diet. All right. And here's a good follow up from Jay. Why is it harder to keep the weight off when you lose it quickly? It seems like that happens a lot. Happened to me. It did. Oh, yeah. Oh, when I was yo-yo dieting back in the day, it was all about boom, like, let's get it off as quickly as possible. And then like that one little slip, it came back and it came back in a, I mean, just overnight, it seemed. Yeah. Right. So Chuck, what happened? Like, what were you doing to lose the weight in the first place? I'm, <laughs> I wasn't eating the stuff that I had been eating. So it's a slippery slope. Like, I mean, I can give you my, my thing, but I want you to answer first as the dietitian. Let's get the professional's answer and then I'll give you my experience. Yeah. I mean, often it has to do with how the weight loss is achieved. Right. Um, so for example, if like someone's just like really restricting calories and, um, you know, not eating nearly as much or like, like you said, like cutting out a lot of perhaps junk foods, processed foods, animal foods, and their calorie intake is much, much lower. Yeah, sure. You can lose weight. How sustainable is that? Right. So like you said, you get to a point where it's not sustainable and the weight that you lost comes back because you return to um, eating more calories. So, you know, rapid weight loss by means of very low calorie restriction um, is not something I recommend because it's not sustainable. 
Um, and then I'm also thinking of like the really low carb diets that people adopt and in the early weeks tend to lose a lot of weight. It's not fat loss, right? They're losing water weight. They're losing um, glycogen stores. And so not actual fat loss. So really it has so much to do with the way in which you're losing weight. And a healthy weight loss really is one that's sustainable and often is way more gradual than, um, you know, any type of um, like very drastic uh, calorie restriction or, you know, carbohydrate restriction for sure. Yeah, it, it, all of that is true. It comes down to sustainability, but also for me, and I call this my one nacho theory, is that, you know, we were talking about that dopamine release. Well, when you haven't had that in a while, and then you, you're finally like, well, I can have just one nacho and I will be okay. And this is what happened to me literally with one nacho one time was I just lost like 70 pounds and I thought I can have this one nacho, but that one nacho became a second and then a third. And then the next thing you knew, I was right back at Taco Bell because that, that dopamine release with that one nacho was so strong. It was just like lighting up a cigarette after not having smoked for 10 years or having a drink after being sober for 10 years. It was like that rush was just so intense and you want to hit that button again and again and again and again. And so boom, that diet gets derailed and that weight just comes right back on and it's so difficult. So that is the one nacho theory in a nutshell. Uh, let's take two more here before we call it a day. Uh, a lot of times people, uh, Karen, will lose a lot of weight and then they hit this plateau and this can be ultra frustrating, no matter what happens, no matter what they do, the scale just won't budge. So Chris is wondering, should you just eat fewer calories to get the scale moving again? Yeah. And I mean, I'd love to hear your take on this uh, too, Chuck. Um, weight loss plateaus are totally normal and, um, you know, can be really good opportunities to take a step back and just kind of assess, you know, everything that you're doing. And certainly, um, you know, looking at food choices to see if tweaks can be made to reduce calorie consumption might be one thing. And also looking at things like sleep and stress and hydration, which, you know, all are important and can affect weight, um, you know, outside of just like, okay, how can I reduce calories more? Um, those weight loss pl plateaus can be an opportunity to like, take into consideration some of those other things. Uh, how does dehydrate, because we have one uh, sitting right now in the dietitian's mailbag, maybe we don't have time to dive all the way into it, but how does dehydration play into stifling weight loss? Oh my goodness. I mean, every single cell in our body needs water, right? Like it's so critical and our organs, our liver, just as an example, like to, to be brief with this, right? Like our liver plays an important role in fat metabolism. It needs water. If we are chronically dehydrated, like that process is going to be slowed down. Our, you know, all of the enzymes that our body needs in, you know, every reaction, including things like fat metabolism, like require water. So it's just essential. In addition, like our brains are 80% water. And just think about what happens, like even, you know, slight dehydration impacts our cognitive function and can leave us feeling fatigued and tired. And then what happens when we feel tired? What do we want to do? You know, we want to eat. And right, because our body's like, oh, we're tired. We need energy. Well, maybe you need to drink more water. So yeah, absolutely. Water is, you know, essential. 
And certainly there's lots of studies suggesting, you know, really supporting how important um, hydration is. Two more questions. I promise you now these are the final two. Diana, can not eating enough protein prevent me from losing weight after 50? So Diana, kudos to you for giving your age. Uh, but is there anything to what it is she's wondering? Yeah, no, there, so there aren't any differences in protein recommendations for, you know, someone who's in their 50s um, compared to someone in their 20s or 30s. And so again, it really depends on the types of foods that someone's eating. And like, hypothetically, I'm just thinking like, let's say someone's eating um, potato chips and white bread, right, and getting a lot of calories from those foods, neither of which are, you know, high in protein, it's not necessarily that the person's not getting enough protein and that's what's inhibiting their weight loss. It's like, well, they're really just not eating a healthy dietary pattern overall, right? So like emphasizing again, having that healthy dietary pattern, one that contains, you know, that's rich in whole plant foods, low in saturated fat is really the best, you know, strategy for weight loss. All right. And 1232, the perfect question to wrap things up, especially given the season that we are in. Beth White, what dessert would you recommend to serve with a holiday meal? Says I'm trying to stay on track and lose weight. Oh my goodness. Dessert. <laughs> would I serve with a holiday meal? Um, so I'm thinking through uh Dr. So Dr. Ramon's um amazing. Uh, cookbooks, Limpily Plant-Based, has a recipe for chick chickpea blondies that I just absolutely love. And so the holiday time for me and my family, um, you know, used to commonly come with a lot of cookies. And those chickpea blondies are just like the perfect substitution. Um, similar to the black bean brownies that you mentioned, Chuck, right? Like nobody expects there to be chickpeas in, you know, a bar cookie. And they just taste amazing and are a much healthier option um, than, you know, traditional holiday cookies. Oh, yeah. I love hiding ingredients in things. I remember serving a, a milkshake to my in-laws uh, that also had black beans in there. And they were none the wiser. All they tasted was banana and peanut butter. And they thought that that was just the greatest thing since sliced bread and the chocolate. So it was like, really, it was, it was delicious. And uh, as far as like desserts go off the charts healthy. Uh, we have a question from Sue, I believe, wondering whether, uh, yeah, Sue, can you do a future segment on how to beat sugar addiction? Sue, you have my word 1000%. We will get to that in the new year because uh, that is a phenomenal idea. Uh, but today that is all the time that we have for the dietitian's mailbag. So let's go ahead and close that up right now. And if you like today's show, don't forget to subscribe to our channel here on, on YouTube and then like us on Facebook, like this very video as well. And again, programming note, this is the final live show of the year. We will be back in the new year with brand new shows, more time to answer your questions. Dr. Barnard will be here that first Wednesday and we will get to as many of your new year's questions as we possibly can. Um, but Karen, we can't end today without talking about this extraordinary 12 week weight loss program that you and Dr. Rahman are putting on. So talk to us a little bit about what it is that people can be, uh, what people can expect from the program. Yeah, it's just a really fabulous program, 12 weeks of, you know, information, education, support. I think that's huge for so many people to be able to check in every week 
with a group of people who are, you know, taking on the same challenges and, you know, making the same changes and coming together to talk through them and help each other. Um, we have fabulous guest uh, speakers, um, one of which I think is you, Chuck. Indeed. And, um, and yeah, just really going through recipes, cooking tips, um, you know, strategies for mindful eating and emotional eating um, to really help people not just, you know, adopt a temporary diet in the new year, but to, you know, make lasting changes and to create new healthy habits. Yeah, it's really laid out so very well. And we'll take a much deeper look at a lot of the things that you and I talked about on the show here today. Week four, keying in healthy versus unhealthy fats. Uh, you've had uh, meal planning in week three, week two, which carbohydrates are healthy. That uh, Actually, week two is the week that uh, I will be speaking. So please join us for that. Um, and then are you stuck on the weight loss plateau? I mean, my goodness gracious, you can spend two hours just talking about ways to get that. Do portion sizes matter? How can you travel? How can you dine out, still eat healthy? You're going to be covering all of that throughout the course of the 12 weeks. And to me, when you cover all of those topics and not just really hyper-focusing on micro and macronutrients, that's how you set people up for success because you're not only giving them that nutrition information, but more importantly, you're giving them those practical tips that they need to cut the string on that yo-yo diet and succeed long-term on a plant-based diet. So, uh, very well designed. I cannot wait to speak at this and um, go ahead and you can sign up for this right now. The website is pcrm.org slash weight loss program. I believe there is a link to that right now in the episode notes as well. Uh, Karen Smith, thank you so very much for being here. This has just been a real treat. Oh, thanks so much, Chuck. Yeah. Happy new year. The internet is a really interesting place. You can love it, you can loathe it, but it will always keep you on your toes with claims like lemon coffee. My goodness gracious, I do love me some internet. <laughs> if you like today's show and you feel like you've raised your health IQ by a point or two, please go ahead and subscribe and leave a five-star rating for the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Get us to the top of those rankings so the people who really want to focus on their health in 2022, they can make it the healthiest year of their life. Let's help them out. All you need to do is head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify, hit that subscribe button, and leave a five-star rating. Now, before we close the book on weight loss today, I want to say congratulations to Jacob Badalone. He is one of the stars of the new Spider-Man movie, No Way Home. And Jacob recently lost more than 100 pounds by eating a plant-based diet. The 25-year-old actor tells Men's Health that before taking charge of his health, he could barely walk up a flight of stairs without losing his breath. 25 years old, already struggling with that, saying, quote, even when I wasn't doing anything physical, I found myself getting sleepy and it was because of all of the fat food I was eating. And he adds that this one day, I kind of just saw myself without a shirt on and it was just ridiculous. I could not believe that I had let myself get this far. And that, he says, is what jumpstarted everything. And I had a very similar 
experience. I remember one time the fire alarm going off at the radio station I was working for when I was in my mid-20s before my weight loss. Big 100.3 in Washington, D.C. And we were on the sixth floor of the building. And by the time we walked down the stairs, got to about the third floor, the alarm goes off and we're told that we can return to our offices. Well, I start climbing the stairs and I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. And my boss at the time was like, come on, Chuck, you can do it. It's good for you. And he was absolutely right. It was good for me. But the problem was that every single step was excruciating and I felt like my heart was going to stop. So Jacob, in addition to eating the plant-based diet, he began to train six days a week, and that included one hour of lifting weights and then another half hour of cardio. But then things really got kickstarted when he started to eat a plant-based diet at the encouragement of his girlfriend. And he says specific to eating a vegan diet that it, quote, really helped my body and I can feel the difference between eating a lot of meat and eating plant-based stuff. And that is really what helped me. Jacob says that he has now lost a total of 112 pounds. Well done, Jacob. That is amazing. And that can be you too. Even if you're struggling, that can be you. You can be just like Jacob. Or maybe someone you love is struggling. And we would love to be able to help with that journey. But we need your support in order to do that. We need your support so that we can keep talking about the benefits of a plant-based diet and doing all of the nutrition research with Dr. Hanna Kaliova and her extraordinary team of researchers. All of that. And we need your support to continue to do the very podcast that you are listening to right now. We need your help to help others. So please consider supporting a healthier new year by supporting the Physicians Committee. And here's some really cool news. Through December 31st, every single donation will be doubled up to $200,000. And that means that every dollar you give will go twice as far. So if you could please give what you can through December 31st by visiting pcrm.org slash donate. That's pcrm.org slash donate. And we thank you for helping to make 2022 the healthiest year yet. And before we go today, I also want to say thank you to Dr. Yami and her team over at Veggie Doctor Radio. I got a really nice email from one of her producers this week, a pleasant surprise, saying that the interview that I gave there, talking about food addiction and the struggle there and tips for overcoming that, well, that interview was among the 10 most downloaded for Veggie Doctor Radio this year. And they just emailed to say thank you for being part of the show. And I was so touched, but they shouldn't be thanking me. I should be thanking you and everyone who tuned in to listen to that episode. So thank you guys so very much for supporting me there and supporting Veggie Doctor Radio. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to dietitian Karen Smith for being here on this final live Q&A of the year. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.